On this week's show, we finally get to see those Los Angeles Rams uniforms, and a college football team has to disband due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In our two-minute history lesson, we tell the story of Herschel Walker and the greatest single rushing season in pro football history. That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 145 for May 19th, 2020. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. I had to go full Marshall Erickson, for those of you who watch How I Met Your Mother, or full Britney Spears, depending on which reference appeals to you or gets to you. Uh, I shaved my head this week. <laughs> to, to your yeah, it, you're hard to look at. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. The, the whole barber shops being closed was really getting You old. look like day 10 of basic training. I should bring out yeah. some of my pictures from basic training. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm still getting used to not pushing hair out of my face. It's like when you have a ghost limb, I'm sure, where you still feel like you got hair there, but I don't. Is your beard longer than your no, it's, head hair now? Th- that's definitely not true. <laughs> but thanks for uh, not helping me cut my hair like I kept asking, and I had to do it all myself. Yeah, like I was going to do that and then get blamed when it, to do when it was, came out like crap. It, that's not too bad. At <laughs> least it's short and not in my way anymore. But you could have at least helped buzz it. You were at basic training. How hard is it to just use some clippers? Come on, man. I just sat there and somebody buzzed my hair off. And that's what I was hoping for. That's all I wanted. <sighs> Happy uh, Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> we come to you each week from the world of football, Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. From the NFL to the CFL, college, high school, and indoor football, we inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So let's review what happened this past week. We're going to start off in the NFL, where the L.A. Rams finally unveiled their new uniforms. Yep, yes, they did. It was it, it was as if they had a sponsorship by Best Buy and did not <laughs> tell Best Buy about it. <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of uh, negative um, press oh, about this. A, all, a all lot is an understatement. Media. Yeah, no, nobody seems to like them too much. Um, I don't like them myself. I, I think they're terrible. They've clearly but. lost the battle of the L.A. uniforms. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, man, it was not that hard of a job to do, and they found a way to screw it up. And I didn't think I'd see a uniform as bad as those last Tampa Bay Buck uniforms before mm. they just changed back to their old style. Mm-hmm. But these really take the cake. They're so simplistic, like maybe even too simplistic in just the, the colors and at the same time, it's like they tried to outthink themselves. It's so weird. And it's not like I hate every aspect of this uniform. I know you think it's abomination from yes. top to bottom. Yes. <laughs> but I can't go that far. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Rams had a great uniform for many, many years. The, yep. the yellow and the blue helmet with the horn. Classic look. Going back to the days of Deacon Jones and all that. And everybody loved it when they wore those yes. throwbacks yes. the last couple of years. But I they think that because you've got a new stadium or a new coach or a new GM that it you, it means you have to change the look to represent an entire new era of your team. Crap. That is crap. 
The Packers don't change their look too much. The Lions barely change their look. The Bears don't change their look. Well, hold on. In all fairness, the Lions, though, in the last uh, 10 years, they've changed their uniforms twice now? Well, but their changes are so minor. You know, a, mi- a minor change here and there, a little tweak in the stripes or something like that is is no big deal. But when you make such a drastic change that everybody looks at it and goes, oh, my God, what the hell is that? It's okay. no good. So this is where I'm going to have to play uh, Defender of the Rams. So, okay, so you got it. Well, our internet's being really bad here. But you can kind of <laughs> see. So the new helmet, I don't mind it. It's it's a brighter blue. I believe they call it a metallic blue mm. helmet and a, a, or chrome metallic and a chrome blue face mask. I don't mind the helmet and the way the logo looks on the helmet. It's exactly what I thought it would look like. It's that new Rams horn with the uh, kind of the divide in the middle a little bit. It kind of breaks it up into a couple of parts. It's a circle, not a Rams horn. It's a it's a Rams horn, but it's a little more stylized. That's fine. I attribute that to when the Lions added the more defined features of the Lions. Whatever. <laughs> not that big a deal. That part is fine. The helmet is fine. But you move down the uniform and you get, you know, the different what well, I don't like but I mean you still get the the classic ram horns on the shoulders in that same style which is fine but then I think from there is all crap <laughs> but I'll go that far because hmm. uh, if you look at a picture of the rams uniforms the what do they call it like the the bone uniform or the yeah. away uniform it's not really white it right. is a bone gray right and it's weird they have a Rams patch on the chest, like above the heart, where a lot of teams are starting to put like the team name or something there. Mm-hmm. And when the Rams did it on the blue uniforms, it's there. And it's got a blue background and it blends into the uniform. That aspect looks fine, but you go to the white or the bone uniform, as they call it, mm-hmm. and it's a white patch on a gray uniform. You telling me you couldn't spend the extra three dollars to put the you know, back the proper background on a, a little thing for your uniform, whatever. That's stupid <laughs> in my opinion. But then you get the, the gradient colored uh, numbers, and the numbers are uninspired. I didn't even notice that. They're, they are like It goes a, from yellow to white or yellow to bone on the numbers. At least on the home uniforms. On the away, it looks like it's a solid yeah. blue. Yeah. But there's detail in the numbers that also reflect the helmet. If you zoom in actually close enough, it is like a the pattern of the ram horn in the uniform number, which is cool, but at the same time, it's like, Okay, you can barely see it unless you're actually looking up close in detail. Right. And the numbers just, like I said, they're uninspired. They look wimpy, and they, they look like uh, a D-level college football team number, <laughs> to be honest with you. It doesn't look like an NFL number, which I don't even know how to describe an NFL number. But mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, it lacks kind of the personality, despite the fact they tried to put personality in it. And here we are again, analyzing a uniform over a podcast, which mm-hmm. is silly, but... Yeah, I did not. I did not catch a, catch that on the first couple times I saw it. But yeah, you're right. The the numbers on the front of the blue jersey they go from yellow on top to white at the bottom. Yeah, it's, and I hate it even more now. It's a thanks little, for pointing that out. Yeah, now own. it sucks even worse. It's, it's a little weirder. I think <laughs> the blue isn't a bad color, but it's. I, I guess I prefer this style over here where they actually have the yellow pants instead of the all blue, and the bone. I don't even mind that as the away uniform. But they had to make it a big deal and call it bone. Like right. when the Seahawks wear their one uni- away uniform that's gray, because that's mm. like one of their alternates. Nobody says a thing about that, but that's fine. Uh, I think a gray away uniform looks passable if you can pull it off. And it's not that they don't pull it off, but it's like all of a sudden you've got white, white, gold, and blue are your Rams colors. And then 
bone? <laughs> Why bone? It's it's silly and are you trying to say that the Rams are a dead carcass on the side of the road with they the bone? They want to be unique. They're they're trying to set themselves apart. I don't know. They all that. whatever. It, I won't say they're the worst uniforms of all time. I'm disappointed and I think they could have definitely gone in a more classic direction. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Well, this for is... all, for all the excited I was to see what the new uniforms right. would look like, I'm very disappointed. Yeah. Well, you know, people out in Los Angeles really could care less about the Rams anyway. They so, care about the so Chargers uniform. So nobody's so. going to be watching the team anyway. Yeah, they've got their, their brand-new billion-dollar stadium. Oh, we'll which, talk about that in a minute. Which people will, will probably go to just to see the stadium, but they don't care for football out there. That's oh, why they, they didn't even have a team. They didn't have a team for 20 years. The, the Raiders left town and the Rams left town, and nobody gave a crap about football in Los Angeles. And now they're trying to bring people back, and I think it's a waste of time. Well, we'll see. The experiment is still on. Ongoing, and, and I don't think results have shown, you know, in one way or the other, except in the case of maybe the Chargers. Mm. Like, I don't think they needed two teams. Uh, I, they might barely get by with one, but right. they definitely didn't need a second team. No, but no, that's for sure. Whatever. I digress. What's the next story? <laughs> well, uh, leading into the the Rams story here, you had a thing about the Rams. Oh, Snapchat that's right. Because of the filter. Yeah, the, the you day, showed me that the, the other day. day that yeah, I forgot about that. The day they unveiled the uniforms, I just happened to be on Snapchat for some reason, and was looking through some of the new filters, and one of the first ones that popped up was the new Rams uniform, so you could wear the Rams uniform in a picture, and mm-hmm. ah, that was about it. Or you can make it look like a Rams player standing there in your living room. Mm-hmm. They really did a big marketing push for these uniforms that are very lackluster. Yeah, yep. yeah. not not much to like there. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I've seen a lot of social media stuff where everybody is panning these uniforms and nobody likes them. Yep. And we knew people weren't going to like them to begin with the minute they threw that new logo out there. Nobody liked it anyway. Right. So it just, it just and got And there's not worse. even a trace of that on the, the uniform at all. So that's the other bizarre thing. Even though I did see a picture of the glove, you know, how the teams have those gloves where oh, they hold their hands yeah. together and they make a right. uniform or the logo. Right. I saw them with the Rams head on just the, the palms, which mm. I thought was weird, but... Other than that, I haven't seen that ram horn pop up again for the Rams, like as a logo. Yeah, if you want to see a decent logo, go to the uh, Detroit Lions, the Tampa Bay Storm of the Arena Football League, and check out their helmet. That's that's the same thing. You as what... keep making that comparison; it's slightly there, but I would say more in the uniforms a little bit than the helmet. But whatever, I see I'm where ta- you're coming. I'm talking helmet logo. It's the same blue bluish color, uh, and the you know theirs was like a tornado storm thing that was oblong and had a football laces in the middle of it, but yeah, it, it looks a lot like what they came up with here for the Rams. Eh, I'll agree to disagree slightly. <laughs> okay. All right. Also, a uh, third story about the Rams here. The Rams are reportedly seeking an additional $500 million from the league to cover additional uh, construction costs at SoFi Stadium. Uh, the original cost estimate was $2.2 billion. But now, I don't know if I believe this or not. It says that the estimated cost to complete the stadium is between five and six billion dollars. Uh, that seems awfully high. I can't say as I've read that story. Where'd you read that story? I from? forget where I saw that at. But uh, you know, you I can start I can under- your sources, man. I can understand them uh, wanting, you know, needing some more money. That two point two billion dollars may not have been enough. You know, cost overruns and whatnot, and they're asking for five hundred million, but. Uh, to say that the final cost is going to be between five and six billion dollars, that that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, right to me. now sitting at an estimated four point nine six three billion dollars, uh, hmm. it's I can't believe that. Yeah, it's just yeah, that's unbelievable. And that two point two billion was. Where's bad all enough. that money going to? Are New you, uniforms. 
people well, people to design their new uniforms and look what they're getting for the price of their whatever. But I mean, it's just there better be like floating hover chairs and <laughs> and you know robot snack people to bring you your food like. This, oh, this, deliver it by uh, uh, what is it? Drone? Yeah, to your seat, you, drop yeah, it right in your something lap, something like that. Like. <laughs> I just don't understand why a stadium should be that much. Yeah, sure, you know, you got your labor costs and everything, and for as big as a stadium is, mm-hmm. you know, you see AT&T Stadium, uh, was that a billion-dollar stadium just in and of itself? I think so, yeah. And that stadium is great. Mm-hmm. I think it's a gorgeous stadium as much as I hate the Cowboys, but yeah. I think it's a good-looking stadium. I liked being there. It's big, and it is a modern-day uh Coliseum, a, Coliseum thing. I was gonna say a cathedral, <laughs> and it is kind of. It's like part yeah, Coliseum, it's the, the church part of the Cowboys. Yeah, it's part Coliseum, part cathedral, and I actually really liked it the time right. I went there. And is this what SoFi Stadium is gonna be? I don't see it being much different than what it's just a the stadium, Cowboys folks. Did. You you go in, you buy a, a ten dollar hot dog and a fifty dollar beer, you spill and, your drink, and your you go sit in your seat and them. you you root for a losing team. That's all you need. It's you just. Know. I don't know. It unless that part of that money is also to cover like their lease or something, which I'm not sure if it know. would be or not. I, 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 I would think it's only got to be construction costs, but but still. still that's a lot but even of money. with what you said, you know, you pulled that up and said, you know, four point six billion, and that's that's twice what the original, 96, yeah, yeah. As, over twice as what it was. So I just I just thought that was a, a unusual, you know, cost overrun that it's caught. You, you're talking billions, and now it's going to cost twice as much. It just seemed odd, but maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Uh, the start of the Money Pit sequel, starring the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, yeah. Someday you'll see the uh, the new Rams Stadium uh, on that show, uh, Mysteries of the Abandon. Oh God! Let's <laughs> not even joke about that. Okay, um, another story. The NFL is looking to change the Rooney Rule, and you told me just a few minutes ago that uh, this has already been tabled by. It the sounds NFL. like it's been tabled NFL. as of, and that's uh, a good thing nice because uh, uh, the. When I first heard about this, it sounded so stupid that they were going to give extra draft picks to teams that hired a, an African-American head coach or general right. manager. That's just wrong. That is just wrong. I don't know what the I don't know how to fix the problem, you know, of, of the lack of uh, minority head coaches and GMs in the NFL. I don't have an answer for it, but I know that this is not the way to do it. Now, here's some of the things I read today. Uh, a team could move up by five spots in the fourth round if a minority head coach or general manager successfully enters the third year on the job. So you hire a, a GM or, or a head coach, and you got to wait three years, and then you're going to get a you, you can move up five spots in the fourth round. Yeah, that's that that's that's stupid. Uh, yeah, re- retaining a minority quarterbacks coach. Uh, after one year, could net a fourth-round compensatory pick. Conversely, losing a minority candidates, uh, losing any minority candidates to other teams, would earn the losing team a draft capital, a third-round compensatory pick. It's so stupid. Yeah, I, I can't even get through these so, these things. So I think right there, just making it draft-related mm-hmm. is a terrible idea in and of itself. Yeah, your team should be bad. If your team is bad, you get a correlating draft pick to try to get better. Mm-hmm. I think having front office issues or head coaching issues should not be what you know. Uh, yeah. G- Changes a draft. Be pick. I mean, but then they pick. do these compensatory picks where if you do lose a certain degree of player, then you get a chance to maybe 
get a couple of draft picks later on down the line for it. That is one thing. But, but that's replacing one player yes. with another player. Right. Someone on the field. So that's why I'm thinking from the get-go, dumb idea. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to... And I, like I said, I'm no genius. I don't know how to organize a football league, and I do not know uh, the best way to solve the world's problems. But in order to, you, you want the best candidate available, whether that be a white head coach or a black head coach or a Hispanic head coach and so on and so forth. It should be the best person that you think can do the job. You hire them regardless of color of skin. Mm-hmm. Same with all the players on the field. Whoever your best quarterback is, you play them. Who's your best running back, you mm-hmm. play them. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. And the uh, same should be for the coaches. Yeah. And if the NFL maybe had a minor league where they could, you know, some of these candidates that could potentially be a great NFL head coach had a little more uh, room to run an organization yep, get the experience. and to get the experience, I think that would greatly help. I'm not saying in your minor league you should be exclusive minority candidates. It mm. Again, there should be a lot more opportunities there to some of these candidates. You're like, well, maybe, but we don't know. Give them that testing ground. That's one of my sure. best, uh, like, better solutions I could come up with to this problem. And it doesn't guarantee that they'll get a head coaching job at the NFL level, but to give them maybe a head coaching job I think is important and would probably show how do you run an organization? How would you run even a minor league? And sure. then you take those ideas and you have a more concrete uh, resume to go to an NFL team. You're like, look, this is what I did in this minor league with all these resources. Think what I could do if I had all the resources. Mm-hmm. And that's what they need. And I don't know. I think we've gotten some great head coaches. Like I think uh, Mike Tom, uh, Tomlin from the, the Steelers. Mm-hmm. How long has he been the head coach there? Almost a decade. Long time. Almost two decades now, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we could we could use more of that. And he was a young guy too when he got hired. In. Yeah, I think he was. So he was fairly young. He, it's sad that we've only had like the, to name at the top of my head. And so this is probably sad on my part. Like I can only <laughs> think of Art Shell. You know, you think of Ron Rivera. You think of uh, Mike Tomlin, Tony Dungy. You got. I know Denver's had a couple. I can't remember his name at the top of my head. Dennis Green. Oh, yeah, Denny Green was yep. one of them. Yep. Uh, the Lions had uh, Jim Caldwell, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there were others. I'm just blanking on their names at the time. But that, or Herm Edwards. Right. It's just it, it stinks that you can only list a handful right. of minority head coaches. But then on the other hand, you're like, oh, I could think of umpteen hundred whitehead coaches. It's Right. I don't know. I think you make a good point about uh, having a minority or a, a min- minor league set up to get some of the minority coaches the experience they need. But not the name for the minor minor league. No, it shouldn't be the minority. <laughs> it's a minor league no, because it would be smaller markets with NFL affiliates. You know, yes. that's all I'm saying. They, the NFL should buy up the assets of the XFL, make that their minor league, and give some of these players and possible coaches and GMs the experience at a lower level, get that experience, and now move them up. That's We've been saying it for years. They've needed some sort of a, a feeder system, a minor league system. They had the NFL Europe for a while. That went away. Uh, they lost money over there. But I think uh, the biggest problem there was because it was overseas. Had it been here in the States, it would have gotten more attention. People would have liked it. There's there's a definite thirst for football now more sure. than ever. Sure. sure, maybe it's a little tougher in this climate with COVID-19 and the oh, unsure, yeah. you know, we don't even know what's coming around the next corner. But I think in the future, a minor league would benefit the NFL, and I don't understand why they keep 
ignoring that idea. And look how successful the XFL was for spring, five games. Spring football will work, whether it's the AAF or the XFL or the USFL. Spring football will work in this country, but it needs the resources of the NFL to do it. And then right. they're... Therefore, the NFL could monopolize football year-round by there having their go. own spring league. And it, I don't know why they haven't jumped and on, on that And on top yet. of it, you know what that also does? Well, that also would probably ruin their relationship with college football because that's where they draft a bunch of their players. Because if they gave them the option sure. to get players, uh, well, I guess they wouldn't have to have the XFL's role where they could take guys right out of high school. Well, even so, you've got, you've got seven rounds. Maybe your top two or three players are going to make it to that NFL team, but your other draft picks can go to the lower ones if they don't make the team. Now your your fourth round, your fifth round, sixth, seventh round picks, yeah, they're going to spend a year or so in that minor league. Yeah, but okay, we're getting into semantics over a league that doesn't exist. What if you're uh, uh, you know your league doesn't start till spring, but these other draft picks you have, like, what are you going to do? They're going to just sit or, sit on a shelf till springtime to to play. I don't have all the answers. I know so. we don't have all the answers, <laughs> but no, that's I, why we're here and not at the NFL. Uh, offices right now pitching these ideas that's right but yeah this, this whole thing about adjusting the rooney rule to to get I know, it was stupid from the get-go is an awful idea the, the best plain the, awful the best thing i'd heard coming out of those news stories was i think uh tweaking it to where they would just have to be required to talk to more mm. and i'm not say, even saying that that is a better idea like uh, tom pelicero of uh the nfl i don't know if it's the nfl.com or what but he's saying the nfl immediately Instituting changes to the Rooney Rule requires clubs to interview at least two external minority candidates for head coaching openings and one minority candidate for any coordinator job. Uh, those were at least resolutions they were talking about before, I think, talks were shelved. And I like that a little more. Like, you need more. Right. You can't just talk to the one. You're yeah. token one minority. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to You have to interview one. And it's and I think Interview a couple. I think if even making it a few broadens your search, and sure. I think – but again, I hate that they have to tell them. You have like if True. I were to go to you and say, Randy, you need to find a minority co-host for your show instead of the white boy that you already got. <laughs> and I'm in. <laughs> and all you have to do is interview. Send me your resume. All you have to do, I will. Yeah, you'd probably jump the chance <laughs> to get rid of me. But but you know what I'm saying? Like to be told that at least one. Yes. You do the one, then you move on, and you find who you want. Yes. That is what I hate. And to be even told that you have to do something, I'm like that when I'm reading a book. If my teacher told me, and they did, Adam, you need to read this book by next week. And I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to go read Harry <laughs> Potter instead. And I did that many a times. I was the same way in high school. I hated when they told me I had to read something. And it's just... I would not do it. And it translates to the, the real world. Like, who wants to be told they have to do it like that? Yeah. You, they should want... And that's where the big problem lies, is they should want to be interviewing these guys. Mm -hmm. You know how many... You know, former athletes would probably make great coaches, but instead we're getting some of these guys that, yeah, maybe they're former athletes, but they they weren't like a big prominent NFL name, but they were smart, and that's what got them the job. That's fine. But there's just so many other players out there or, or individuals out there who maybe weren't players that could potentially be great head coaches, and they are not of – they're not white. <laughs> and just I don't get why there's that stigma still in 2020. Yeah, I don't know. But – it's just frustrating. I know. We've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. If you want to move on, yeah, let's, we can let's move, move on. on. We, we can talk about this all day, and we're probably. not going to resolve anything. I'll but... probably end up smacking the computer, and we'll lose the whole recording. Yeah, don't do that. 
All right, let's let's move up north and let's talk about the CFL for a minute. Uh, the CFL is looking into using two hub cities, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, one in the east and one in the uh, one in the west, where all the players would be housed in these hub cities if the season actually goes through this year. Um, so I I kind of get it, you know. Um, I know that uh, the Saskatchewan has said you know volunteered to be the hub city for the west. So, you know, the teams from the West would be uh, housed right there. But they haven't, I mean, it's just a talking thing right now. Nothing is certain. So I don't know if that means that, like, you're going to have four teams in the West that are going to be um, playing each other week in and week out, and and they're all going to be playing at the same stadium in Saskatchewan. You know, you're going to have an Edmonton versus BC game in Saskatchewan. Is that what they're saying? That way there's no travel costs and, and you can kind of quarantine the players so that, you know, uh, if you keep them away from everybody else, they're not going to wind up with COVID-19. I don't know. But but that is something that they're talking about is having a couple of hub cities where all the players in the East, you know, gather in one city and all the ones in the West go to another city. But yeah, there's, I don't know, there's a whole domino effect with that. Because, like, there's five teams in the Western Conference and then there's four teams right. in the East. right, right. And I understand and the idea of having a centralized place where maybe they could play all their games. Like, what would be the point? You're going to house them in here? Are they going to play? Like you said, are they playing all their games here? Clearly, they haven't figured this all out. But I would assume that that would be the idea of having right. a hub city right. so that you don't have so much travel back and forth or if there would be any travel. So, yeah, what you're going to just play a whole schedule of all those teams playing each other? Well, what happens when you got to play, you know, an East versus West team? You know, you're going to take that one team and fly them, you know, to the other hub city to play a game? Maybe they'll play two or three games? I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know, yeah, it, until we get it's, more information, yeah, I it's, can't. It's yeah. just all talk, and right now we don't even know if there is going to be a CFL season. I hope there is. Um, their season was supposed to start, I think, June, right around the 1st of June? June Man. 11th, maybe. I forget. But, um... Yeah, it, they haven't even opened training camps or anything. I guess training camps were supposed to open the other day. Oh, NFL camps are, I don't know if camps are opening, but facilities are opening. I know facilities are opening, yes. Because there was a picture of Tom Brady in his Tampa Bay Buccaneers helmet practicing with some teammates. Oh, I hadn't seen that. I saw that on Twitter. So, But, yeah, I think uh, the commissioner said that, that they can open up their training facilities as long as it's okay with the governor of that state, you know, wherever they're at, depending on how the state is handling, you know, opening things up and whatever. So, yeah, man, there's just so many things you can't say for sure right now. It's all going to change by next week, and in two weeks it'll be different again. Yep. So, but that, but that, I just thought that was interesting talking about these hub cities up in Canada to, to house the players uh, for East and West uh, teams. Okay, something we mentioned in the opening uh, a Division II school, Florida Tech, has decided to disband its football team due to the COVID 19 pandemic. And as, as far as we know, this is the, the first college football team that is being eliminated due to the pandemic you know uh, last week or so we had uh, the story about an entire college uh, being shut down because of COVID-19 plus their football team but uh, this is just the football team that they're looking to you know save money and try to keep the school going so they've decided I guess that they're not gonna field a football team anymore even though they only started up playing football in 2011 so now that's that's all gone so yeah your first casualty uh, in a football team Due to COVID nineteen, um, I guess it makes sense. I mean, football programs are expensive, right? Uh, right. Regardless, and we've had stories over the last couple of years where schools have decided, you know, it's just not worth it. We're going right. to cut our football program, which you know is sad, but it's you understand it. And this team, in this school, only had a program since two thousand eleven, so right. eight years, nine years of uh, a team. Mm-hmm. 
I guess that's still a hard spot to to get a team off the ground and you know right. get a a big following and and they're at the division two level, so you know it's not like they're getting the big money you know right. from TV contracts and all that. So it the teams at the lower divisions they they kind of struggle. You know if yeah. they don't bring a lot of fans in, they're not making a lot of money. So I kind of get it, but uh, just the fact that that they're citing COVID nineteen as the reason for disbanding this team is a little strange. Yeah, it is, and unfortunately, I think we might even see more and more of this as we go along. We could, but we could. Hopefully not. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, today's birthdays. Uh, May nineteenth. Today is the birthday of none other than Archie Manning. He turned seventy-one years old today. Happy birthday, Archie! Uh, he went to school at the University of Mi- uh, Mississippi, and he was the second overall pick in the nineteen seventy-one NFL draft by the New Orleans Saints. He played in New Orleans from 1971 to 1982, and he finished his career with a couple other teams. He played a couple seasons with the Houston Oilers and another couple seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. I wasn't even aware of that. I, I wasn't sure if he went and played for somebody, but you only associate I've him, only seen him with the New Orleans Saints. Saints. Uniform, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, here's a, an odd little fact about the 71 draft. The top three picks in the 71 draft were all quarterbacks. Uh, the number one overall pick that year was Jim Plunkett. He went to the New England Patriots. Then you had Archie Manning at number two. And the number three pick was quarterback Dan Pastorini, who went to the Houston Oilers. Oh. So, yeah, it's kind of unusual that uh, three quarterbacks right in a row. And they all went on to have pretty darn good NFL careers. And uh, for Archie, and uh, for those of you who don't know, he is the father to <laughs> two uh, Super Bowl MVPs. Uh-huh. Yep. And maybe the grandfather to another someday? Who knows? Who knows? I think there's another Manning coming up. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and Cooper. He's the, also the dad of Cooper. Yes. The, the most famous Cooper. Manning. Yep. Can't forget about Cooper. Okay. We do have some obituaries today, too. Six of them. Man, I... That's a lot. I found two of them just today. So, uh, yeah, I thought we were going to have four, and all of a sudden it balloons up to six. So, we're going to start with the first one here. Uh, Jesse Fritas. Uh, who played quarterback for four seasons in the All-American Football Conference, has passed away at the age of 99. Fritas played college football at Santa Clara University and was selected in the seventh round of the 1944 NFL Draft by the combined teams of the Chicago Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Steelers that were known as the Card Pits. The two teams merged for the 1944 season due to a lack of players because of World War II. However, he didn't go to either the the Steelers or the Cardinals. Instead, he signed with the San Francisco 49ers of the rival league, AAFC, and he played in San Francisco in 1946 and 1947. He then played for two other AAFC teams, the Chicago Rockets in 1948 and the Buffalo Bills in 1949. One of his teammates on the 48 Rockets team was future Pro Football Hall of Famer Earl Elroy Clay... (laughs) Man, I cannot get this out today. Good Lord. Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch was his teammate. Fritas was inducted into the San Mateo County uh, Sports Hall of Fame in 1995. At the time of his death, he was the oldest living former member of the 49ers. 
Right, our next obituary is that of Robert Ben Williams, a defensive lineman in the NFL for 10 seasons and has passed away at the age of 65. Williams was known as Gentle Ben and played college football at Mississippi. He was the first black player at the school in 1971 and was selected in the third round of the 1976 NFL Draft by the Buffalo Bills. He played his entire career in Buffalo from 1976 to 1985, Williams is a member of the Ole Miss Hall of Fame and the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. In 2002, he was recognized as an SEC legend. Our third obituary is Roger Bird, a defensive back and a kick returner in the American Football League for three seasons. He's passed away at the age of 76. Bird played college football at Kentucky and was selected in the first round of the 1966 AFL draft by the Oakland Raiders. He played for the Raiders from 1966 through 1968 and led the AFL in punt return yardage in 1967. He won an AFL title with the team in 1968, and his final game as a pro was a loss to the Green Bay Packers in Super Bowl II. Bird was inducted into the University of Kentucky Athletics Hall of Fame in 2005 and the Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame in 2017. Our next obituary is that of Michael McCaskey, the grandson of Chicago Bears founder George Hallis, and has passed away with a, after a long battle with cancer at the age of 76. McCaskey graduated from Yale University and became president and CEO of the Bears in 1983 following Hallis's death. He succeeded his father, Ed McCaskey, as team's chairman in 1999 and held the position until 2011 when he was replaced by his brother, George McCaskey. This next obituary, I don't think you had heard of uh, this lady before, but I certainly remember her. Phyllis George has passed away uh, after a long battle with a blood disorder at the age of 70. She was born in Denton, Texas and attended the University of North Texas as well as Texas Christian University. She was crowned Miss Texas in 1970 and Miss America in 1971. She went on to be a studio host on the NFL Today pregame show on CBS in 1975, joining Brent Musburger and Irv Cross. George was one of the first women on national television to work in sports broadcasting. She left the NFL Today in 1983 and went on to cover horse racing as well as becoming the co-host of the CBS Morning News for a short while. She married John Y. Brown Jr. in 1973 who turned uh, who actually owned the NBA's Boston Celtics as well as owning the Kentucky Fried Chicken franchises. Brown also served as the governor of Kentucky from 1979 to 1983, making George the state's first lady. And our final obituary this week is that of Franklin Pepper Rogers, who was a head coach in college, the USFL, and the CFL and has passed away at the age of 88. Rogers played quarterback at uh, Georgia Tech and led the team to a college football national championship in 1952. He won back-to-back -back Sugar Bowls in 1953 and 54 and is a member of the Sugar Bowl Hall of Fame. Rodgers was selected in the 25th round of the 1954 NFL Draft by the Baltimore Colts, but instead of going to the NFL, he joined the Air Force where he served for five years. He then went into coaching first at the Air Force Academy and then at Florida. He was the head coach at Kansas from 1967 to 1970, UCLA from 1971 to 1973, and Georgia Tech from 1974 to 1979. He was also the head coach of the Memphis Showboats of the USFL in 1984 
and 85, and then the Memphis Mad Dogs of the CFL in 1995. Rodgers also served as the Vice President of Football Operations for the Washington Redskins from 2001 to 2004. Yeah, a lot of obituaries this week, but I, I definitely definitely remember Phyllis George on TV, uh, Irv Cross, Jimmy the Greek Snyder, Brent Musburger. That, that was a great uh, pregame show back in those days on CBS, and she was really good at uh, interviewing people, uh, getting the stories from a lot of the players. And she was funny. She was smart. Uh, just a, a really, really great addition to the uh, NFL pregame show. And, uh, you know, basically led the way for all the uh, ladies that you see today uh, working sports broadcasting. Yeah. So a real pioneer there, Phyllis George. Okay. Uh, I guess we're going to move on to this week's two-minute history lesson. And this week we have the story of Herschel Walker and the greatest single rushing season in pro football history. When you think of Herschel Walker, the first thing that comes to mind is probably the fact that he was traded by the Dallas Cowboys in 1989 to the Minnesota Vikings in a blockbuster deal that gained the Cowboys five players and six draft picks, which set the groundwork for the team's three Super Bowl victories of the 1990s. But what made Walker such a valuable player that the Vikings were willing to give up so much to get him? In the aftermath of the trade, Walker only played for Minnesota from 1989 to 1991 and then went to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Walker's value can be traced to his three years playing in the rival United States Football League. Walker won the 1982 Heisman Trophy at Georgia, and once he signed with the New Jersey Generals, he immediately became the face of the USFL. In his three seasons, he rushed for a total of 5,562 yards and 54 touchdowns. But it is his final season that stands out in pro football history. The current single season rushing record in the NFL was set in 1984 by Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams. He ran for 2,105 yards in a 16-game season and carried the ball 379 times for a 5.6 yard per carry average. However, the following year, in 1985, Herschel Walker also set a single season record in the USFL. In his third season playing for the Generals, Walker rushed for 2,411 yards on 438 carries, and he had a 5.5 yard per carry average during an 18 game season. When you add his USFL yards to his 8,225 yards that he gained in the NFL, Walker has a combined 13,787 career rushing yards. That's more yards than current Hall of Famers Marcus Allen, Jerome Bettis, Ladanian Tomlinson, and Eric Dickerson. Does Herschel Walker belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I think so. And if he does get in, he will join three other former USFL stars who also are enshrined in Canton. Quarterback Jim Kelly, quarterback Steve Young, and defensive end Reggie White. For as often as we praise the NFL, we also like to uh, kick the NFL for being a bunch of jerks. And uh, I think we've you guys kicked... are being jerks uh, for not letting Herschel Walker into the Hall of Fame. I think we've kicked the NFL enough with the, the Los Angeles Rams uniform No, that's today. just kicking the Los Angeles Rams around. But, yeah, you were under the impression that Herschel Walker was already in the Hall of Fame. I did. As but... much as I hear people talk about Herschel Walker all the time, you, mm -hmm. would, you would think he's a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. But 
he's not. And it no. completely baffles me, regardless of what he did in the USFL or not. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, you, you add his numbers together and he's right up there with everybody else. But uh, I I guess the voters don't see it that way. Oh, I don't know. Look at uh, uh, Warren Moon's numbers. Yeah, he put up great numbers in the NFL. But guess what? He did just as good in the CFL, too. Right. Like, right. Come that's, on, that's I got a football he's... card with him on it that says uh, that added all his stats from the other uh, mm. league too. So, mm. come on, NFL, get your crap together. Yeah, yeah. Warren Moon's got over seventy thousand yards between the two leagues, and yeah. that's right up there with Brett Favre and and uh, Peyton Manning. And, and that's before converting him from the metrics over to the United States ha, ha, way of measuring funny. yards. Very funny way to bash the CFL. Hold on, <clears throat> I didn't bash the CFL. I don't. <laughs> I love everything about the CFL. Okay. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead, son, before we start getting some nasty letters. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about some upcoming events. We don't know if they're going to happen or not, but uh, Thursday, August 6th, supposedly, is the NFL Hall of Fame game in Canton between the Pittsburgh oh, yeah. Steelers we'll that and the Dallas Cowboys. I think last week I... And that's I, not even upcoming. That's months away. I know, but that's the the closest thing we've got right now. Then that's all you need to talk about. Until well, we get any closer, don't talk about the rest of I these. think last week the, I said the Hall of Fame game was on the 8th, and it's not. That That's when the uh, induction ceremonies are supposed to take place. I don't know if that's going to happen either. You know, the start of the regular season on September 10th, we don't know if that's going to happen on time. And then September 17th, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Centennial class is supposed to be inducted on the 100th anniversary. That's literally four months away. God, well, and that's That's all we event. got to look forward to. There's nothing Man. else between now and then, so... All we can say is, uh, here's what's coming up, but stay tuned. It, it may Man. not happen. Okay. Oh, boy. That's all I've got for this week. Anything that you uh, run across? or No, nope, other than confirming that the uh, Rooney rule was tabled and all that for okay. now. So Okay, good. Good, yeah. I think they throw these things out there to get uh, public reaction, and it was overwhelmingly negative, so they backed down on that, I guess. Okay, well, let's call it a show for this week. All right, fine. Uh, that's all the I time want to keep got. talking to you anyway. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories, pictures, and highlights, if there are any, from all over the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. And by the way, uh, go check out, and I forget the name of the YouTube channel, the Arena Fan website is putting a youtube channel out there where they're getting some old arena football games so oh, yes some arena bowls and whatnot yeah and i should have put that in our rundown i forgot probably should have uh we'll mention it now and go out there and watch some of those games if you've never watched a, a lot of arena football or if you came to the party a little too late go what, back and what's watch the matter with you go back and watch <laughs> some of these games i'm sure they'll be posting some good stuff mm-hmm. and i'm interested to watch they are posting or have posted the second round playoff game between the Toronto Phantoms and the Nashville Cats from yes. 2001, yes. which uh, was the Nashville Cats team that would eventually get to the Arena Bowl and fall to our beloved Grand Rapids Rampage. Mm-hmm. But I'd be very curious to see that game because I think I watched all the other playoff games on the other end of the bracket. Mm. Uh, 
because those were all around where Grand Rapids would be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch that other side of the bracket, I don't think, too much. And this was definitely one I don't remember watching. Yeah, we, we actually went to a one game in Grand Rapids that Toronto came to. Yep. And I thought it was it was strange because they actually played the national anthem and the Canadian national anthem. That I mean, if you go to hockey games, you, you've probably seen that before. But I haven't. I haven't been to that many hockey games. So this was a new experience for me to, to hear the Canadian national anthem played in Grand Rapids because we were playing the Toronto Phantoms. Right. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, their channel will uh, uh, eventually get the Grand Rapids uh, Arena Bowl. Uh, Arena Bowl. Even though uh, you've Bowl got 15. a VHS tape. I've got it on VHS tape, yes. Uh, it's uh, it's collecting dust But on it would shelf, be nice but... to have a nice digital sure. stream to be Absolutely. able to watch. And if some other games would be nice. I think they also put up the... Uh, the New York Dragons 99-point game. I, yes. I remember that day. I, yep. I think I watched a little bit of the game, not the whole thing, because I was actually at a relative's house that yep. day. I remember. Yeah, we went to pick you up. and Yeah, and, and that happened. Caught the yeah. end of the game. Craziness. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully put a link to that in the description or start posting links on Twitter for all that stuff because I'm excited to see what else they find and can get permission to post. Sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in and around the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. Because what if, what if, hear me out here before we end the show, what if we review or talk about one of those games on the show like we actually have football to talk about? <laughs> hmm. Interesting thought. We'll, uh, we'll have to put that in the hip pocket and see what uh, see if that comes about. I think that would be great. And then you can get Mr. Capper back and we could talk about some. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. We'll that's see it. I dumbfounded <laughs> you at the end of the show, huh? <laughs> yes, you did. Okay, right. well, I guess that's it for the show, everybody. Uh, some people may love football, blah, blah, blah. Everything he says at the end of the show, join us again next week. He's Randy Snow. I'm Adam Snow. Bye. Bye. <laughs>